right. Happy Thanksgiving. That was awful. Happy Thanksgiving. That was a little bit better. One more time. Happy Thanksgiving. Good. It's a, it's a little early. How many of you are thankful for this service? I love this service. This is one of my favorite services uh, of, of the church. It's uh, the church body getting together to be able to just praise the Lord for who he is and for what he's done in our lives. And uh, we're going to do that a little bit tonight. Um, I was talking to the, the teens on Sunday, and um, the will of God can be a little bit nerve-wracking. What's the next step? Uh, what does God want for my life? Those kind of things. And God says for us to thank him in all things. Why? For this is the will of God. Um, it's God's will that we, that we be thankful. Um, God's pretty smart, isn't he? Um, he? He thinks of everything. Um, he knew that giving thanks would affect every area of our lives. It would affect uh, who we are physically. I mean, there's, there's health benefits to someone that is just uplifting and thankful, right? Uh, it affects our minds. When we, when we choose to be thankful, we realize, hey, ooh, I've been selfish, and it realigns our mind to uh, think, uh, think about God and put him back in his proper place. And it, it obviously affects our spirit and us talking with God. Okay? I can't help when I'm thankful. I can't help but simply say, God, you're so good. Okay? God's good, isn't he? All the time, man. All the time he's good. Okay? I'm so thankful for uh, what he's done in my life. And we're just going to start for the, ne- uh, for the first few minutes just thanking God for um, specifically salvation, the day that you got saved. Um, if you don't know what that looks like, we do have a couple uh, men in here that um, have uh, microphones, and they're going to go around the room, and we're just going to praise the Lord together. How many of you are encouraged when you get around someone that's thankful? I'm so encouraged when, I'm, when I get around pastor. He can have the worst things going on, but I mean, he, he's just uplifting. He's thankful, and I walk away going, man, <laughs> I'm an awful person, okay? Um, it, helps me, it helps me just be more thankful, so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to encourage each other uh, in just how God has been so good to us, specifically in these first few minutes about salvation. I'll start us off. Um, I was saved when I was 17 years old. I grew up in church, grew up around church, grew up in a, a ministry family, but uh, 17 years old, God had been pricking my heart uh, just month after month, service after service, and just coming to the understanding that uh, I had never uh, made a personal, um, I had never accepted the personal invitation to accept Christ as my Savior from my sin, uh, to pay the penalty that I was supposed to pay uh, for my sin. And and April 11th of 2005, uh, I accepted Christ as my Savior for my sin and, and uh, never looked back. And uh, I, I love uh, the life that God uh, continuously leads me down. But that is, that is the first step. So tonight, uh, let's just look back. Let's, let's reflect as a church family on the day that, that you accepted Christ as your Savior. Who'd like to, who'd like to start us off? It's always the first one. Right here. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm Barbara. Um, Um, sorry. Um, I was saved when I was 17 as well. Um, I grew up going to church every week we were there. And, um, when I was eight, I asked my mother if I could go forward and she readily agreed and went with me, but I was going for another reason. I was, uh, excited, I guess, because every time somebody went forward, they got to speak to the preacher. And (laughs) I wanted to do that, and I wanted everybody to come by and shake my hand. And I got baptized a couple of weeks later, um, 
and I went on living thinking that I had been saved. Um, and like I said, that was eight years old. And at 17, I went to hear some young missionary or young people who had surrendered to be missionaries. And while I was listening to them, I got to thinking, I don't have anything that they that they're talking about. I, something is wrong with me. And so the next day, I went to speak to my pastor, and he helped me realize I had never been saved before. And so right there in his office, I did ask Jesus into my heart. What an awesome testimony. Thank you for that. That's great. I'm so thankful that God just keeps after us, aren't you? Man, who else would like to give a testimony tonight? Yes, ma'am. Um, hi. Uh, I am so thankful to actually have found this church because uh, originally um, I grew up as in more of an agnostic, believed in God, but wasn't a real Christian. And then um, it was I'm actually thankful that my parents got divorced because uh, um, <laughs> because even though how crazy that sounds, the thing is is that I would have never become a Christian if my parents hadn't gotten divorced because what happened is that we ended up moving and I met neighbors um, and uh, found friends that were actually Christian, that were my next door neighbors and uh, became a Christian that way. But I mean, I was going to a church that kind of didn't follow the Bible as much, but later eventually and stuff, I finally was able to find this church and realize this, this is the right place and this is the right place to really be. And, and uh, when uh, the way I ended up changing churches was uh, because uh, um, I had been praying for a very long time, um, I, for many years, to be healed of uh, epilepsy, but I never was and, and stuff. But I, um, at one time when I ended up praying for like all day or something, I hadn't been prayed and my heart was literally broken, even though I had gotten used to, you know, not getting my prayer answered and stuff. I w I was usually fine, but something about that time really broke my heart, and I just kept feeling, is there something going on? Am I, like, going to the wrong kind of church? Are they um, teaching things that shouldn't be right? So, And it's like, how do I know? Should I ask my pastor or what? And then it's like, I know what I should do. Dun, dun, dun. Read the Bible. <laughs> and... <laughs> And yeah, and I decided to start going to a church that really taught more about what the Bible had to say and didn't really sugarcoat their lessons as much. <laughs> and Thank you for that. Thank you for that testimony. That's great. Man. Who's got a testimony tonight about the day that they got saved? Yes, in the back, Miss LeClaire. Hi, my name's Gloria. I got saved when I was 15. Um, I'm first-generation Christian. My family, when they came from Spain in the 1600s, had been Roman Catholic, and that was it. We never knew anything different. But um, after, well, two of my sisters and I got saved at the same time, and uh, after that, my 
11 brothers and sisters also received the Lord. So that was a blessing. So now we're all Christians, and that's, that's amazing to me because I had never known anything different. So I'm blessed. Praise the Lord. How many, by raise of hands, are a first-generation Christian? The only one in your family or the first one in your family saved? That's awesome. That's great. Very good. Who's got another testimony about the day that they got saved? Yes, ma'am. Um, I didn't get saved until I was 25. Um, I actually moved up to um, Loveland because my parents got divorced and there was different situations in the family also. Um, and I actually met Irene in high school, in public school, and she was this really annoying person who talked about Jesus all the time. Um, <laughs> she, it, it was really hard to hear talk about Jesus all the time until um, we we moved out to be roommates together for the first time after high school, and we were going through the same struggles, and yet she seemed to be happy and joyful, and to me, there was no purpose in life. And so I finally went, okay, fine, what, what is it that you keep wanting to tell me about? And I finally went, well, what if God is real? What if he does care about me? And we went to church, and it took two Sundays, but I went forward and got saved, and it's been almost 10 years. Who's got another testimony? All right, in the back, right behind you. Hi. Hi. So I um, went to Sunday school when I was very, very young, like elementary age. Um, My parents divorced when I was 10. My mom went the new age route and, um, you know, always believed like many paths, one God kind of thing. I always thought... um, Christians were just a bunch of sheep who followed whatever the pastor said and checked the box on Sunday and um, were very hypocritical. And um, I just kind of lived that way, you know, be a good person and all that stuff and you'll be fine. And then I met a man named Colin who um, lived differently. (laughs) Um, And it was never really okay to talk about hard things in my family. So, like, specifically money, politics, religion, always off the table. Um, and when he said he would answer questions about Jesus for me, I was like, are you sure? Like, this isn't going to offend you. Can I ask you another question? And, um, ultimately it took about two months and I knelt beside my bed one night and said, okay, God, I'm, I'm in. And it's been almost 10 years. Praise the Lord. Thank you. That's great. Let's take one more about the day that we got saved. One more. Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? I'm Debbie Cedar. I was saved August 25, 1963, when I was nine at Adam City Baptist Church in Denver. I saw one more hand fly up in the back. I don't know where it was. Yes, ma'am. My name is Marcy. I was saved when I was 27. I had two kids. I was with Corwine, and we were both running hard away from God. And he stopped, and he reminded me that even though I'd been in church my whole life, I knew about him, but I didn't know him. And over and over that came, and that day, it was the end of April in 1977, and I said, Well, I want to know you then, and I want to have a relationship with you. 
and I was gr thrilled for grace. Man, I agree. I'm so thankful for God's grace. How many of you say, I'm thankful for the day that I got saved? Amen. Amen. Pastor Brent, why don't you come and leave? The Bible says in Psalm 124, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, they had swallowed us up quick. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. And we're just saying it here. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Those songs we sang tonight, I'll be honest with you, those are some of my favorite songs to sing as a congregation. I love those songs. And I think one of the reasons why is because of, of the message and the fact that we can reflect and look back on what God has done for us and the fact that we do have a thankful heart when we stop and ponder what uh, the Lord has done for each one of us. Let's take a few minutes now. We're going to take just a few minutes and take some, some, uh, some testimonies of God's blessings, maybe something that God has blessed you in over the last year or something that the Lord has done for you. We're going to take a few minutes here before pastor comes and, and brings a, a brief message here. But, but before we continue on, we're going to take just a few minutes and take some testimonies of what God's done for us and the blessings he's given us. Uh, this morning I was in a prayer meeting and, uh, and one of the men gave a testimony and his testimony was, was basically exactly what I was going to say. You know, don't you hate that when somebody says what you were going to say? And, uh, but he was talking about the, uh, uh, the, the fact that he's just had a wonderful year, especially with his family. And uh, I thought that's so true. Man, we've had such a great time being here. I, I look around this room now, and so many of you, just a few years ago, we didn't know any of you. You didn't know us. You may regret knowing us, but we don't regret knowing you, okay? And uh, we're so glad to have met so many of you and, and gotten to know you. And, and so many in this room now are like family to us. And uh, we've had such a good year at home with, with Reagan this year. And, uh, and then tomorrow night, Brandon's coming home. He's had a good semester at school, I think. Uh, he told me he's passing all his classes, so we'll see. But, uh, but he's coming back home tomorrow night, and we're so excited to, to have him back and have our family all together again. And just looking back at what the Lord's done for our family over this past year, it's just been so, he, he's just blessed us in so many ways. We've had answers to prayer. Uh, we've had some, some trials and some hurdles come our way, but the Lord has, has uh, met our needs and has taken care of us, and I'm so thankful for that. So let's take a few minutes now, and the men have the microphones again. If you'd like to share a blessing, something that God has done for you, a blessing that you would like to share with our church, slip your hand up here. Uh, yes, ma'am, Miss Jerry in the back. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Jerry Jones, and uh, this is like the most recent blessing in the world. I have been looking forward to coming here all day with my daughter, and I got in my car, and it wouldn't start. <laughs> so I'm stuck at my house. She's at her house. I called her up, and she said, I'll pick you up. I said, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. We can't go late. And I was ready at, you know, 6.30. So she said, no, we're going to go. We're going to go. So we started out. We got stuck by a train. So... <laughs> It's not been a good night, but we walked in the door, and we're here, and I just praise God that we are here tonight. <laughs> Thank you. That's, we're glad you're here as well. That's wonderful. That's great. What did, he, what did you say? Oh, we're glad you're here as well. well we're glad I you am made very it. thankful, Amen. <laughs> and my grandson is now at my house trying to see what's wrong with my car. <laughs> so it's been a very interesting evening. <laughs> That's what grandsons are for. Amen. That's good. <laughs> All right, someone else. Um, you know, 
By the way, I like how everybody's saying their first name first, their name first, because I think that should be like a normal thing for us. I'm Jason Metz, because <laughs> I can't remember names. But anyways, um, I had a big event this year. My daughter got married to a, a guy, and I, you know, it was a hard thing at first. But I am so thankful. This last Saturday, we were on a, a video call with them. They live in uh, England. And I started getting a discussion, and he, my son-in-law brought up just spiritual things. We were just having a spiritual discussion about the Bible, and, and it's like, that's exactly what I always wanted for my daughter. And it was such a, it, it was, I was just like, man, I'm so thankful. I mean, whoever thought this kid that I knew when he was a teenager was just an idiot would grow into a guy like this. And so I, I was extremely thankful for that. So, Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. Mr. Jim. Yes, sir. So <clears throat> this year has been probably one of the toughest years of my life. Has been, actually. I am thankful that God's promises never fail. Um, there was a moment, I probably shouldn't tell you guys this since I am a deacon. I probably won't be a deacon much longer. Um, but there, there was a time where I was, I was throwing God's promises back at him, and I was not happy. Um, I thought you said all things work together for good, God. This doesn't seem like good to me. Um, I thought you told me my way would prosper. This isn't prosperous. And I'm thankful that through all of those dark times, that the one promise that God has kept is I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that he has, um, in those dark times, and a lot of people will say you should never question God, you should never ask why. I'm going to vehemently disagree with you. Um, I think it's in the tone you ask why. You shouldn't, you shouldn't clench your fist and say, God, why? But you should say, God, why? Why are you... What, why, are you, why am I here? What am I doing? And it was in those times that God has revealed himself to me in ways that I never knew existed before. I have met some very strong ladies in this church. Um, as, a, as a business owner, as a, someone who's used to having to pivot and make decisions, this, this event in my life has almost crippled me. I can't imagine... I was at lunch on Sunday with a bunch of ladies, and it was just a great time to talk to them and to see that it's not, that God's good to everybody, not just me. And I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the friends that I have. Um, I'm thankful for all of your guys' prayers, because if it wasn't for prayer, I wouldn't be here tonight. And you guys have been the strong tower that God sent to protect me during this, this raging storm. I'm thankful for a mother-in-law who still calls me her son-in-law. Um, for family, the girls came home from college and they were like running around the house opening closets and stuff. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they come and they say, well, we're just checking to make sure you're okay, Dad. There's food in the pantry. The, the laundry's been done. The house is clean. I'm like, so um, I'm thankful that God knew who I needed for this time and he provided those specific people throughout different time periods of my life, and they've brought me through this dark time. We're thankful for the example you've been to our church, and uh, you and your family, and the blessing that you've been to us, certainly. All right, yes, sir. Um, so the two stories quick. The, um, I had an old gentleman say to me the other day that um, if we all were to cast our burdens into a pile most of us would gladly retake ours and run out of the room as quickly as we could. Um, it's so easy to get lost in our own misery and forget the misery of those around us. 
And the other thing that I think about tonight is back in the day before steam-powered ships, they used to make massive ropes to hold boats next to a dock. And those ropes had to be tested prior to ever being sent on a ship. And um, when I think of testing, I always think of the Pauline epistles. And I go to Second Corinthians tonight in verse, um, chapter 7, uh, verse 5 and 6. And Paul says, For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, I've always loved that word in the Bible. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And he goes on and explains why that was a benefit. Um, The last 16 to 24 months have been the hardest of my life as well, um, without reservation. And yet, I've always said to people, a faith that isn't tested isn't worth much. How foolish of me to ask for that, right? Um, Because I know that the Lord heard and said, okay, Let's see if your rope is going to hold well enough to be on the ship of believers and lead others to Christ. I'm thankful for the burdens that he's put. I'm thankful for the challenges. Um, I never knew, I always thought Paul was a fool to ask, to be challenged. And uh, now I'm thankful. You know, Pastor often says that to live the victorious Christian life, there has to be victory. For there to be victory, there has to be a conflict. And, uh, And each one of us, I think we can give testimony to that fact that um, that the Lord is faithful, and through the conflicts and through the problems, and and uh, and we have the opportunity through Jesus Christ, through His grace, to to live a victorious Christian life. All right, let's take a couple more here. Any other? Yes, ma'am. Right down front here. Thank you. Hello, my name is Diane. Um, probably about five years ago, my oldest daughter and I. Um, we had been very, very close, and something happened between us, and I can't even remember what it was, but we were on the outs for two years. I didn't speak to her. She didn't speak to me. One of her daughters, my granddaughter, brought her over to the house one day, um, and we reconciled. And I praise God for that so much. Because it, was, it wasn't last year, August, but the year before in August, she passed away. And I just thank God so much that he get, made her the bigger person to come to me. And that we had a good time for those two years that we were reconciled. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for that. Amen. Hi, I'm Melissa Hughes. Um, I just want to praise the Lord for moving us, my family, here three and a half years ago and just making it really clear um, that even though I was leaving what I had known in uh, Kansas City for so many years and where um, I had known my dad before he passed away there, just knowing that I was moving to be with family and then just finding this church, I've been so thankful for the family here, um, just for the ministries the opportunities and the friends that we've made. And I'm just really grateful for his provision and faithfulness. Amen. That's good. That's good. We have another one over here. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. A year ago today, last November, we got our house after not having one for several months. I'm just very grateful for that. Well, praise the Lord for that. That's great. That is great. Let's take one more. 
right here. Hi, um, my name is Jamie Hedlund, and um, so I've been a public school teacher for 10 years. This is my 10th year teaching. Um, and in the last year or so, I'm just very thankful that I think God has given me a lot more boldness um, in my classroom and with my students. I've always been like, open and honest with them, but um, I've never used my position as a means to um, just try to have more open conversations with them. And um, anyway, so in the last couple of months, we've been able to restart the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the high school I teach at, which is kind of silly because I'm not an athlete, um, and my students all know that, but we all agreed that it's the best way to get it going because like FCA has been a thing that's been around. Um, but we have about 12 kids who are leading it, who are meeting every week um, to plan and to argue a little bit <laughs> over how things should be ran. Um, but we also have about 60 kids over both lunches at the high school I teach at who are um, attending regularly. Um, but with that, there's already been some interesting pushback and eye rolls at the school and things of that nature. But I don't think I could have handled that like even a year ago. And now I can feel like I know that God is with me. Um, and I know that, you know, um, one of the other sponsors I work with, he's a football coach. Him and I both agreed that if we go down, like it's <laughs> worth it. Um, and we don't plan to, I mean, we don't plan to, you know, get into any conflict, but I think with this, you understand that in the world we live in, um, you can't help, but it's, it's coming for us almost. Um, but again, I think God has been working behind the scenes because he's given me this boldness and this urgency. Um, and I can already tell that he's been working in students um, with their families. Um, I have students who are now asking me questions who've never asked what these types of things before. Um, and even colleagues. So just really thankful for that. But I'm also asking for prayers. <laughs> Thanks. Matt and Jamie have been such some of the most encouraging people in our church and in our class. I remember a few months ago, Jamie came and said, um, you know, pray about this opportunity, and if you would, pray with me about this. And, and, uh, and so we finished our, our Adult Bible Fellowship that morning. She said, you know, this is something that the Lord's been working on my heart. Let's pray about this. I said, absolutely, we'll pray with you. And then we walked into church, and pastor preached a message on boldness and being a witness. And Jamie came and found me after church. She said, okay, that's my, that's my answer. We got to get started. And, uh, and it's been such an encouraging thing to see her there in the public school take a stand for the Lord and, and be a great testimony. They had one of her former students with her in church on Sunday and, uh, and had him here with, them, uh, with their family. And so we praise the Lord for that. As pastor comes, one last announcement. Men, if you could help us as soon as we're dismissed tonight, uh, we've got a good group of guys here. If you could help us go next door, we've got to set up some chairs. We've got to move some risers onto the platform for decorating on Saturday. So men, if you're able to stick around after the service tonight, come next door. We'd appreciate your help. All right, find Daniel chapter 2. Jamie, thank you for that testimony. What a segue to what the Lord put on my heart before we go to prayer. We're going to pray tonight some prayers of thanksgiving as families. Uh, I told the men the other night, uh, the other morning in our men's prayer breakfast, I told the, the, all the men that gathered that day, if you want to kill prayer meetings in churches, and I think we've done a good job at killing the prayer meeting, very few churches gather to pray anymore, and, and uh, we have a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, and uh, it's, it's often, uh, prayer meetings are often the, the least attended service of the week, and one of the reasons for that is because we spend so much time offering special requests, and we're praying for somebody's uncle, or we're praying for this particular thing, 
And those are all wonderful things to pray for. But the church has forgotten to pray prayers that are Godward prayers and not manward prayers. Oftentimes we're just praying for God to heal this person and we're forgetting to pray to God for who he is. And uh, Jamie was just mentioning a moment ago about the culture and what we're, what we're living in and what we're facing. And I couldn't be more thrilled in all my life than to be facing a culture that is so hostile to the gospel. And I'll tell you why. Because when they start focusing their attention on shutting up the Christians, they end up listening to us. And uh, usually from the most awkward positions, maybe from a lion's den, maybe from a fiery furnace, (laughs) but they hear us and they see something in us that they don't have. You know what that is? Christ. And uh, we have an opportunity to impact this world at a day that... um, desperately needs it. And in Daniel chapter 2, the culture, uh, if, if anybody understands three or four steps down the road from where we are, Daniel would understand that. Remember, they were taken out of their homeland. They were taken into the land of the Chaldeans, the Babylonian Empire, had captured them. They had laid waste to the house of God. They destroyed Jerusalem. They brought the young people back. And now here are these young people from Jerusalem who are captives there, and by the way, the reason why they were captives in Babylon was because of the disobedience of God's people to begin with. And the disobedience of God's people in times of prosperity, they had been warned by every prophet imaginable in those days, but their prosperity led them to an apathy and a lethargy and uh, an attitude of, of take it or leave it with God, and they were just following traditions, but they didn't know God. And God warned them over and over and over again that this was coming, and it came. And the Babylonians came, overtook them. God was using Babylon to to, uh, do a work in his people. You ever thought about that? You ever thought that maybe what's going on in the world is not just Satan at work, but maybe what's going on in the world is God at work? And that maybe through all these trials and tribulations that we've been going through as a nation with, uh, with COVID and poor leadership and fraudulent Uh, uh, governments and all the things that are happening in our economy, do you think maybe perhaps that God could also be at work? Right? And he's looking for some people that he wants to use in this culture to tell this culture about him. Because that was Israel's purpose in the very beginning anyway. And they weren't doing it. So God said, okay, if you're not going to show the heathen who I am, I'm going to let the heathen come in and take you to their land. And then in their land, you can tell them who I am. And they did. And so here we are. And we're going to, I want to show you tonight, very briefly, the power of gratitude. I want you to see it in Daniel's life. Nebuchadnezzar had obviously gone to bed. He had eaten some pepperoni pizza and drank a Coke. And he had a really bad dream. He had a really weird dream. In fact, when he got up in the morning, he knew it was a significant dream, but he couldn't remember all the details. Have you ever had a dream that you knew, man, I had this really cool dream last night, but I can't remember what it was. Anybody ever done that? All right, well, Nebuchadnezzar did that. He had this really cool dream, and he couldn't remember all the details about it. It was very dark to him. And so he brought all of his wise men in. He brought all these guys in together, and he said, all right, I want you to tell me. He said, I want you to interpret a dream for me. But before you interpret the dream, I want you to tell me what the dream was. 
then interpret the dream. Now, he was doing that because he was suspicious of his, suspicious of his own magicians because they would always tell him lies and what he wanted to hear. And no king or anybody in authority needs to be surrounded by people who will just tell him what he wants to hear. Um, so, <laughs> so he says, tell me the dream and then tell me the interpretation of that dream. And so all the magicians and the astrologers and all those soothsayers in, in the Chaldean force said to him, um, hey, king, what you're asking is too hard. It's a rare thing. It's, it's just a stupid thing to ask. We don't know what you dreamed. And you're going to have to tell us a little bit more, and then we'll interpret it. And he said, okay. And then he looked at his right-hand man here, who was the captain of his guard, Ariok, and he said, Ariok, I want you to go to the sorcerer's houses, the magician's houses, and kill all of them. So he came to kill them. When he showed up to kill all of them, there were, there were four newbies that were not at the meeting that were asked about the interpretation. Daniel, Mishael, Hazariah, and, um, and uh, 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 whatever his name is, starts with an H. <laughs> we know them as Meshach, Bendigo, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there they were, uh, Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah, and Daniel comes to them when, the, when Ariot comes to kill them, and Daniel pulls those guys in, and he says, hey, give us a little bit of time, and Ariok's like, I, I can't do that. I've got to kill you. And he said, well, I'm going to go talk to the king. Now think of the boldness of Daniel being a new magician, a new sorcerer on the king's payroll, and he has the boldness to walk into Nebuchadnezzar's throne room and say, king, hey, what you're doing is not right. You're going to have to give us some time. And that kind of took Nebuchadnezzar back. He said, okay, fine. You want some time? I'll give you some time. And so Daniel used that time wisely. Let me tell you what he did. Look, if, if you will, in Daniel chapter 2, verse number 16. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house, made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. So all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Daniel has the same dream, and God gives him the dream and the interpretation that night. Daniel wakes up and said, I got it. And let me tell you the first thing he did. He ran straight to Nebuchadnezzar's palace and told him the interpretation to save his neck, right? Nope. The first thing he did in verse number 19 was Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And to bless the God of heaven means that Daniel brought praise and adulations to God. He began to praise God. And then the Bible says in verse 20 that Daniel answered and said, here's his prayer. Here's how he blessed God. He said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Now, what did Daniel do here? Here's what he did. Daniel understood the power of gratitude. 
Daniel immediately began to praise and bless God. And what did he praise and bless God for? Now watch what he did. He prayed. He received the answer. And then he began to praise God and thank God for the answer. And let me show you how he praised God because this is very reminiscent of how Jesus taught us to pray. When you pray, don't rush into God's presence with your laundry list or your grocery list and say, God, do these things for me, please, and then run back out the door. He said, I want you, when you pray, to say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And let me show you what Daniel did. Daniel, first of all, praised God for who he is. He said, blessed be the God. Watch it, verse number, verse number 20. Uh, blessed be the name of God forever." And ever. He praised God for being who he is. God is God. And he's God alone. Now, Daniel must have been mindful of Psalm 136. That great psalm said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And then the next verse, Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. So David or Daniel here looks up and says, God, I'm going to praise you for being who you are. You are God. And I want to tell you tonight, we need this Thanksgiving season. Let me tell you what you need in your life and what your family needs in your home is we got to get our eyes off of all the things that are going on in the world and all the things that the kings are threatening and all the things that the government officials are doing. And we got to get our eyes off of that throne and our eyes on the throne that is inhabited by the God of the ages, the God forever and ever and ever. Have you forgotten who God is? Have you forgotten who he is? Daniel just began to thank God for who God is. And then he said, number two, he said he began to thank him for what God has. Look at verse 20. He said, for wisdom and might are his. You know who God owns? God owns all wisdom and God owns all might. God has all power and God has all wisdom. And God alone has it. And you know what? He gave it to Daniel. And by the way, Daniel didn't have James 1.5 in his Bible. That if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who give it to all men liberally. But God gave, God is the one who owns wisdom. Do you know why? You know why our government today is in such consternation and confusion? Do you know why we have politicians who can't even string together a sentence? Because Daniel, Psalm 2 said that when they put away God, that God would turn them into derision, which literally means to stutter, to stammer, to speak as a foreigner. I don't know if you saw this last election, but we elected a few people who can't even string a sentence together. That's part of what God does to a culture that rejects him. And listen to me, you know who has wisdom? God has wisdom. God has might. Washington thinks they have wisdom. Washington didn't have wisdom. God has wisdom. He thanked God for who he was. He thanked God for what he, what he has. Number three, he thanked God for what he controls. You know that God is not just the God of eternity. He's the God of history. He's the God of history. He controls the times and the seasons. God controls the times and the seasons. Hey, listen to me. Some of you right now are in a season of blessing. You ought to thank God for that. The sun is shining, the rain is falling, and, and the crops are growing, and God is blessing you. And that's a wonderful thing. Thank God for that. The family's all together. The family's healthy. The house is paid for, whatever. But you've got blessings. Thank God for that. Some of you are going through some seasons of hardship. Some of you are going through some seasons of difficulty. 
This has been a year for Larry and Sharon Hood and for the Cruz family. This has been a year of difficulty, a season. The Bible says that we are saved, wherein we greatly rejoice. And by the way, it was only the ladies that were greatly rejoicing. I was wondering if we had any men saved in this church. Every hand that was raised for salvation was another woman getting saved. And I thank God that the ladies are saved, but I was worried about the men. Man, did we have any saved men in this house? But he said, wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. Though now for a what? For a season, if need be, you're in heaviness to manifold temptation. That the trial of your faith. We heard Jeremy talk about that and Jim talk about that. The trial of your faith for a season. But God controls the times and the seasons. Hey, whatever time you're in, you ought to just thank God for it. Even if it's a season of hardship, thank God for it. Thank God for it. Be grateful. There's a power of gratitude. He also knows that God controlled not only times and seasons, but God controlled kings and kingdoms. God set kings up. God brings kings down. God, God, has, God has it all under control. Listen, I know there are shadow governments, and I know people are worried about Bill Gates and George Soros and all these other monsters in the, in the shadows, but let me tell you, there is one who sees in the shadows. There is one who sees in the dark. And they do their best bidding in the dark. But let me tell you, they might be hiding in the dark, but they're not hiding in the dark. God sees them, and God's in control. Don't you think Pharaoh kind of felt foolish by the time it was all over and he realized that God had played him? That God had just moved his heart like a river of water? One of these days, these kings, all small and great, are going to stand before God and they're going to fall on their face and they're going to realize they were never in control in the first place. And you know what's funny? Daniel wasn't afraid of Nebuchadnezzar because Daniel knew the God who controlled Nebuchadnezzar. He thanked him for who he is, what he has, what he controls, and he thanked him for what he gives. He gives, look at that in verse number 22, or verse number 21, he gives wisdom he gives knowledge, and he gives insight. He lets us see. You know, this world is walking in darkness today. They're walking in darkness, and God gives his people light. We walk in the light. We are children of the day. We can see things the world can't see. Isn't it frustrating to look at this world and think, how can you guys, what, what are you thinking? Well, you know why they're not thinking? They can't see it. They're in the dark. We're in the light. We ought to thank God that God gives wisdom. God gives understanding. God gave, listen, if you can see what's going on in the world, God gave you that. You're not just some wise guy. God gave you that. God gave you insight. And then notice what else he does. He, he, pra- he praised him for what he does. What does he do? Look at verse 23. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might. God, it belongs to you and you gave it to me. This all belongs to you and you gave it to me and you have made known unto me now what we desired of thee. What we asked, what we asked you, you gave us. You answered prayer. You know, I think sometimes we're, 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 we miss the mark with God because we beg God for things and then he does them and then we don't return thanks. We're like the nine lepers. and We don't really come to God and just praise him. So tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just these last couple of minutes. We've got hot chocolate, and we've refilled all of that up there, and we're going to have that in just a minute. But why don't you do this right there with your family? Just gather with your family right now tonight, and let's pray prayers of praise and thanksgiving to God. Let's pray tonight. Listen to me. Let's pray tonight, 
And let's not ask God for anything. Let's thank God for what he's already done and who he is. Let's, let's go, let's, let's, instead of going to God and saying, God, can you do this for me? Let's give thanks to him. And this will be a true thanksgiving service. We're going to give thanks. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time. Just, just take a few minutes with your family and pray. Give thanks. And then I want you to, I want you to make note of this tonight. And I would encourage parents. We do a big thing at Christmas time where all of our kids, don't they? They make Christmas lists about what they want. Let's get in the habit of learning to make Thanksgiving lists. Get some Thanksgiving lists this year. And at Thanksgiving, when you all sit around the table, before we dig in, take some time to have every member of the family just read what's on their list. And say, this is what I'm thankful for. This is what I want to give God thanks for today. And then as a family, pray about those things and just say, God, thank you. I mean, we might have a small little butterball this year. And it costs as much as last year's big butterball. <laughs> but you control the times and the seasons. And you're the king and you're so good. Can I tell you tonight, let's give, we need to give God thanks. We need to have the power of gratitude. I, I, I want you to go home and think about this. In Daniel chapter 6, verse, verse 10, when prayer became illegal in the state, Daniel prayed. But you know what he didn't pray? He didn't pray, God, smite Darius. Now go read Daniel 6.10. You know what Daniel got thrown in the lion's den for? Praying prayers of thanks. But it was those prayers of thanks that shut the lion's mouth. And it delivered him out of that lion's den. It may just be that your songs of praise might be what God's going to use to win the battle. So let's pray prayers of thanks tonight. All right, so just take some time right now with your family. When you're done praying, you're dismissed. Men will be over in the, in the Harmony building. We're going to be setting up. Come and help us if you can. Help yourself to some hot chocolate fellowship. Get to know some other people. And I want to say this very quickly before we go, as we go to prayer. If you don't know Christ tonight as your personal Savior, you, you really... You really don't know what it means to be thankful until you've been to Calvary and you've seen the price that was paid for your sin and the rich red royal blood that was shed for your sin until you've seen the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world. And then you just cast an eye over to that tomb and you see that tomb empty that he rose again from the dead and he finished everything necessary for your salvation and you say to him with a humble heart, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I'm trusting you now as my Lord and Savior. I'm receiving you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make, make me yours. Give me a new heart. Let me tell you something. He'll do it tonight on the authority of this book. He'll forgive you. He'll save you. And you'll know that you have eternal life. And so if you're not saved tonight, bow your head right where you are and just trust him. Come to Jesus. You say, I don't know what to say. Just come to Jesus and say, save me. And he'll do it. He'll do it on the authority of his word. I promise you that. All right, let's go to prayer.